As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. That is Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? High drive! Left field! It is out of here! This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 24 of the Baseball Roundtable. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy McCullough and Mark Carrig. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I never start with either one of you. I always just go into it and start with myself. How's one of you doing? Grant, I have a fun fact. What? Do you know that both Ricky Henderson and Willie Mays wore number 24? Shut the front door. Yeah. Are you serious? Those are two very good players. That's crazy. But Ricky Henderson could not wear that number now if he came out of retirement to play for the Mets because they have retired Willie Mays' number. Ooh. That kind of ruins things Uh, because he wants to. I mean, if you ask him, (laughs) he he played for the Mets, no problem. And I bet you he'd do okay. He'd probably... What would Ricky Henderson's on-base percentage be right now? I, I'm saying at least 310. That seems high. I'd say 275. Mark, what do you think? Somewhere in between the two, I would say. Not quite 300. Yeah, I mean, because there's still guys that, you know, can't command it. He'd, he'd stand there. <laughs> just, yeah, just take. <laughs> you know, not enough sticky stuff, so ball's all over the place. Anyway. Let me ask you another question. The year is 1982. And instead of the bases that we are used to, there are larger, expanded Mm. 18-inch bases. How many stolen bases does Ricky Henderson have? How's that for a segue? 200 bags, baby. Come on. 200 bags, man. Those those couple inches? (laughs) 215, maybe. I I don't know. Like uh, So this is a rule change episode. And I apologize for the dedicated listeners uh, to the Athletic MLB show who have probably listened to two or three podcasts about rule changes. Uh, You're getting another one. 
And this time it's, it's ours and we're going to be quirky and irreverent. What do you think? What if you had a podcast from about the rule changes led by three people who haven't read the rules and have mostly just heard <laughs> someone mention what they might be? Now we're cooking with the good stuff. Now you're dealing with some professional <laughs> stuff. Oh, man. So let's start with the pitch clock, because I don't know if you gentlemen know this. You're talking to like one of the world's foremost experts on the pitch clock, because I spent a few hours uh, several years ago writing about the pitch clock. And uh, I'm for it. Is anyone again it? What is this accent? Are we doing dialects now? You do fur it or again it. What is what, this? What is that? Is that like, are you doing a John Steinbeck character? It's like prospector, uh, Linger. You fur it? Yeah, I'm fur it. You've never heard that? Is is this a West Coast thing? I mean, I'm from the West Coast. I have never heard anything quite like that. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, but you've uh, you've lost your edge over there. On the hey, East hey. <laughs> Stop. Producer Brian says, I've never heard of that either. That's right. So let's just forget I ever did it. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Oh, yes. man. Pro-pitch clock. I, okay. I consider myself pro-pitch clock. It's been interesting, I think, as these rule changes have come in, right, which they were done uh, without the unanimous disapproval of the players on the competition committee. And so there has been some sort of chattering among various players, you know, some very high profile about uh, disliking, you know, the pitch clock, disliking banning the shift, all that sort of stuff. I think the pitch clock, though, it's like it's a resounding victory for the people who matter most, the fans, and also the BBWAA. So the two constituencies <laughs> who matter the most, right? <laughs> the paying customer and the beat writers who have to suffer through 162 oh games of this. Like, no, I mean, I think it, it's a victory. Uh, I think obviously it's going to cause some issues if there's going to be an adjustment. I think in the post-2020 world, I think after they changed so many things to the game in 2020, and you saw teams adapted, you saw how old-school managers adapted, you saw all that, like, you know, you don't want to, like, make it so there's a fifth base or something, but you can tweak some of this stuff, and the game will continue to still be pretty good, and I think the pitch clock is, is going to be a resounding success. I was really hoping that Andy was going to launch into just cutting a promo right there with the gimmick being the arrogant baseball writer that doesn't give a damn about anything except for fast games and Marriott points. I guess that'll have to wait for another day. However, I'm with Andy. I think the pitch clock, I'm for it. I'm with you. I'm for it. I think pace has been the thing that's been lacking in the sport. It's going to take as long as it's going to take to settle on a winner over nine innings or more. And that's fine by me, but I just want more things to be happening in that time period. And quickening the pace just a little bit introduces more of these possibilities. I think that's what's been missing or one of the things that's been um, missing from the sport in the last 15 to 20 years is there's just so much inaction. So anything that will increase the chances of something happening is obviously great. It's great for the fans, I think. The players, they'll adjust. They always do. I think it'll actually make 
a big difference. And there might be other effects to it too, for all we know. Um, I, I'm really curious to see just how it plays out in the wild because there's always going to be stuff that we didn't think about. The law of unintended consequences. You'll see it next year, right? A lot of pitchers are going to get hurt. Now, pitchers were going to get hurt anyway, but when they get hurt, they're going to say it's because of the pitch clock. You know, in the same way that when guys got hurt last year, they said it was because of sticky stuff being removed. The reason you get hurt is because pitching is a horrible thing to do for your arm. But any change in the way you do it, if you're used to loading up on sticky stuff, if you're used to, you know, taking 45 seconds to hulk up before every pitch, and that's how you've been taught to pitch, you know, there's going to be an injury pileup next year. There's a good chance of that, I think. However, I think in the long term, and this is Major League Baseball's contention, which like, uh, you know, as the only pro labor podcast, I'm a little embarrassed to share this, but, uh, you know, the commissioner's office's contention is that it will long term help pitching health. I don't actually buy that. I don't think anything's going to help pitching health because pitching is really bad for you. But I think there's a chance maybe, I don't know, you know, you'll have more sustainable pitchers. You'll have more guys who throw like Hunjin Ryu. Instead of, you know, guys just hulking up, trying to just, you know, throw the living crap out of the baseball with every delivery. There's been conflicting stuff in the minors about this, hasn't there? Because it's just such a limited sample, though. Like you can't it's just so limited. It's not it's not meaningful sample wise. The thing that I'm curious about is is we use the word hulking up a couple of times or the term hulking up a couple of times. Will that actually happen still when you've got to throw the ball you don't have the same recharge time does the stuff become diminished not just the velocity right but also like these guys you know it helps to have that energy to spin the ball and i'll be curious how that actually plays out in the real world and that's what i was referring to i thought like in the minors they'd expected to see that when they've tested this and didn't quite see it was my understanding so i I would like that's why i want to see some of this stuff in the wild i suspect that we will see that at this level Rob Arthur from 538 a few years ago found a correlation between shorter time between pitches and velocity. Is that going to be true in the driveline era where guys are just more in tune with their mechanics, more aware of what it takes to throw a baseball hard? I don't know. But those are the unintended consequences. And look, I sat down and I watched games from the 80s and compared them to games now. And I was expecting, I sat there with a stopwatch. I was expecting commercials. I was expecting uh, pitching changes. I was expecting, it was just all dilly-dallying. It's stepping off. It's adjusting the wristbands. It's, it's you know grabbing your crotch. It's taking taking a little breath and stuff like that. That's what it is. That's all it is. And I still think that baseball has a place as the antithesis to modern life, to something that's a little bit more deliberate, something that is slower pace and has a, a slowdown expectation back to the slowdown again. All these kids with the darn TikToks and stuff like that, their brains are warped. This is their oasis. This is their way to get away from that. But you can still have that and have a little bit quicker pace. I think that it's not antithetical to what you're trying to do with the game of baseball. How often have you done that, Grant? watch from let's say the 70s or 80s and andy same question to you i'm just curious like start to finish how many times have you watched it like from I mean, mark from when then? was the last time you watched a game i mean last <laughs> night so zip it but also like very funny uh, now you know when was the last time i saw the ninth inning with my own two eyes that, that gets interesting yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. but like okay for like real you know, when was the last time you guys saw that I don't know if I ever have, to be honest. Like, I've, I don't know if I've ever watched a game from the 70s or 80s. Grant, what sticks out to you the most when you've, when you've done it? There were times in the 80s where you would just have a pitching change 
and they wouldn't cut to a commercial and they just sit there and jabber and I, they were just leaving money on the table and I'm just sitting here as the only pro owner podcast <laughs> uh, I'm just sitting there wondering why they're leaving money on the table but it's also I don't know it, it's comforting I don't do it a lot I did it a lot in the pandemic or the her, early hard part of the pandemic man I was going through I was finding games from the 70s and 80s the bunting drove me nuts no, it's it's not exciting to bunt but I do enjoy a little bit more skill. I enjoy slap hitting more than maybe I should. Maybe it's uncool to admit that. Maybe that's like the Stone Temple Pilots of baseball aesthetics. But I also enjoy enjoy some Stone Temple Pilots. So uh, I enjoy some slap hitting here and there. I got to say, when I've done it, I did it probably five, six years ago. I just dialed up some games. I actually watched a uh, World Series game, A's Dodgers from the 70s. Okay. Man, I just don't recognize it at all. And it actually, what it did was it worked the opposite way. It gave me so much of an appreciation for what guys do now. Okay. Like, I mean, the idea of control, like we, right. We use the word command all the time, but the idea of control and not having control just doesn't exist anymore. Cause if you don't have control, you're not here. Back in the day, there were dudes who had no control. They threw hard, but no control. They were playing in the major leagues. All right. I covered one, Daniel Cabrera. It was a pitcher with the um, Orioles and then later the Nationals. I mean, sort of the classic, like that's what I remember, like dudes back then, a big guy could throw hard, didn't know where it was going. Those guys don't exist anymore. The thing that stands out to me also is just like they're better, just, you know, the way they're built, totally different. They're just bigger dudes or taller dudes. Andrew McCutcheon and Mookie Betts, like they're smaller guys, but they're also bigger guys. Right. Yeah. Because they're so, you know, athletic. They're so like, well, anyway, like you, you just, you know, you'd see dudes back then that had like their stomachs hanging over their Sansa belts. It was just like, wow. And they're good players. Okay. Really good players, obviously skilled players, but it, it is just so difficult to comprehend even comparing those two eras. Right. And, and so the one that, but what, what blew my mind was the mentality when when someone went up to go hit, they were up there to swing the bat as fast as they could. If there was a way to encourage a little bit more of that, and maybe the pitch clock indirectly gets there because guys aren't as sharp, they don't throw it as hard, they kind of have to throw it over the plate. Maybe that entices guys to swing the bat. But the reason those games moved with such pace, when I watched them, I realized that guys were up there to swing. And I think that's been one of the biggest differences has been philosophical rather than you know, obviously throwing a hundred miles an hour with spin has something to do with it too. All right. Like, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but I think so much of it is mentality. Like those guys went up there to hit guys go up there now to have a good at bat. And it's like, that's a subtle difference, but it is a difference. And when you're watching a game and you're looking at pace, dude, the at bats were three pitches, four pitches. Right. Like you'd be through the fifth inning and like you didn't remember seeing a full count. You didn't get there. All right. Do you imagine that now going five innings and not seeing a full count? You'd just be like, what's going on here? Right. So I don't know. To me, that's the, the biggest difference. And anything that will help encourage some of that. Again, the pitch clock is what kind of set me on this path. The pitch clock could indirectly get us there. But yeah, swing the bat earlier. I, I think that would be massive. Mark, what you're getting into is one of the, it's like the fundamental 
issue that front offices and teams have been facing in this era, which is that the things that help you win baseball games don't exact, don't always make it the most entertaining product. Right. So it's a much more entertaining product when dudes are going up there, just looking to, you know, it's fastball. Let's go, you know, like let's make some contact, see what happens compared to the current approach of like, okay, so I looked at hit balls in this zone and I'm going to sit on this zone until I get to two strikes and then I'll compete. Uh, that's like elite hitters. <laughs> or there's guys who are like, I sit on this zone and I'm not coming out of this zone because this is the only zone I do damage in, right? So from the team's perspective, right, like they should be telling guys to hit that way. They should not be telling guys to come up to the plate to swing the bat as fast as possible. They should be telling guys to hulk up and try and spin the living crap out of the ball and miss bats because that is, you know, more effective than letting balls get in play. And I think for all this stuff, like my sort of overarching thought on, on all the rule changes over the years is like, you know, my, my standard sort of thing was like, I don't, don't change the rules. Like the game will adapt, you know, the game, let the game fix itself. Let the, players let the teams like let them solve the rules let them solve the shift let them solve the pace of play like the game will evolve to fix this that's not the way it's going it's evolving away aesthetically from an aesthetic enjoyment perspective because efficiency and aesthetics are not always compatible and so this is a way to try and cut that gap i think it's going to be a big success. I, I do think it's going to make the product better, but it is something of a bummer that it has to come from above rather than happening organically, if that makes sense. I think if you're a romantic about baseball, there is something kind of deflating about it. Uh, I don't know if you guys share that at all, but I think it's pretty clear like this kind of ha- is needs to be done. Ideally, having it happen organically, I'm with you. That's what I would rather see. But my spiel about seeing a game in the 70s, that's the reason that it isn't going to happen organically. These dudes throw 100 miles an hour. They're big. They're giant. They're training year round. There's no guts anymore. Right. As far as like, you know, again, I think of Rick Russell, a really good major league pitcher. Right. Grant, you know, he's a good giant. Okay, really good major league pitcher. Most folks would take that career. I don't have to look at the numbers. He pitched for a long time and pitched pretty well. They would take that career. Rick Russell looked like your plumber. And there are a lot of dudes like that. A lot. And they didn't throw particularly hard. Okay. Like they're they're craftsmen more than anything else. That is not the world we live in anymore. I think that's why we have choked the life out of the sport being able to organically fix itself. The science has made these guys so much better. I think that's what makes it difficult to self-correct. Trying to like, okay, Trey Wingo, I think ESPN tweeted out, oh, this is weak sauce, changing the rules or whatever, taking the shift away and all this. And the implication being just make an adjustment as players. But boy, that is much easier to do when the fastballs are 85 and not 101. Like, I think that's where we're at with this. That's the problem. So if it's not going to self-correct organically, which I think we can all agree is the organic way, it's always been the way it's been, then you have to step in and do something. And I give the league credit for that. All right. I don't know how this is going to play out. I'm for it because I want them to be innovative and try something because I have given up on this idea that, oh, it's just you have to adjust. I think we're past that point. People talk about moving the mound back. That seems like a bridge too far. That seems, yeah, I don't like that one bit. 
this is not as this is just this isn't even a new rule change as much as it is going back a little bit just just dialing it back the mindset like mark said it's not going to be so jarring because it's never happened because it did happen you went up and you expected strikes and you swung and you tried to go this way and that way it's not going to turn everyone into Juan Pierre but the Juan Pierre was never coming back anyway on its own. Like everyone thought that with the shift that there would be this new generation of guys who learned to go the other way and that baseball would, would be cyclical and go back. Never happened. It's just it's just all power and patience. And it's because it works. It's because it works. And when you're talking about the guys who get shifted on the most, they're pull hitters. You know, they they want Soto. He's still trying to swing as hard as he can. It's still trying to go the to right field. So it's not going to change. You got to tweak it if you want a little bit more action. You used the word efficiency, Andy, earlier, right? Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. And Grant, listening to you talk right there. Why this stuff isn't going to come back is because power is something you can mass produce. Okay. You can create that. And there's all sorts of players in the league right now, both pitchers and hitters that have been products of this mass production. They're cranking out model T's. Now watch Rod Carew. Go try to mass produce that. Good luck. Good luck. And we can agree. You watch those games. I mean, dude, Rod Carew was a beautiful hitter to watch. Like he could hit anything. He just fillet a ball out there. Bang. He's on base. He was up there to freaking hit. All right. But trying to replicate that. Good luck. All right. And so I think that's what we're looking at here. The sport and the owners and the teams are obviously for mass production. Okay. You can miss a little bit more. You don't invest. Think about the time and effort and hours and the God-given talent that it takes to create Rod Carew. You're not going to recreate that with a bunch of people. Whereas you can tell somebody to like, like what Andy's talking about earlier, pick your zone. You only swing in that zone. Okay. Like you teach them these things. And like, if they've got just enough talent, you now mass produce a bunch of these dudes. And like, now you've got your pick, right? Like you can mass produce a hundred of them. If 20 of them stick, you've won. That's efficiency. Like, that's why we're seeing this stuff. So this idea of going back, Hard for me to fathom that, man, because you can't mass produce some of the stuff we learned to appreciate back in the day. With And I think of Rod Carew. Let me offer a thought experiment, though. Let's say the rules change and home runs are now outs and the batter has to go get the ball. Can you mass produce a Tony Gwynn or a Rod Carew? Is Now baseball has to shift. Can you put your energy and your focus into making someone a slap hitter, a gap hitter, someone who goes all the way back to the old school? I recently spoke with Juan Pierre, and he'd be back in the majors right now. He'd be <laughs> so valuable. What is is that a serious question? Yeah, uh, like, like if, wait, 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 wait. If home runs were outs, would you say what's that? Home runs were yeah, outs. Yeah, like like the if Pirates if home runs, are going to win it all. If home runs were not valuable anymore, is it possible to build a hitter who is just pure? Yeah, uh, well, it's contact? possible to build. It's possible to build anything. Yes, it's the incentives. It's the incentives. Is it possible to build a hitter who can foul off 30 pitches in every at-bat, getting the pitcher's pitch count up and getting him out uh, after like two innings? Sure. Yes. You can build anything if you pay for it. If you pay for it. What gets paid is power. So in the system that they have, you know, through arbitration into free agency, what gets paid is power. Strikeouts, home runs, you know, let the big boys play. Was that a thing? I don't even remember. I don't <laughs> Was that actually a thing? Or no, you know what? That was WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play. <laughs> so it was a thing. Yeah. Kevin Nash just hitting tanks. Uh, 
<laughs> Man, I'm oh, Ray Mysterio dropping bunts. Yeah, that Ray. was the pro- that was the promo campaign for the 2022 uh, Phillies. The big boys play. <laughs> anyway, hey, just a just a quick aside. How many B war do you think Rick Russell was worth in his career? Oh God, no clue. Uh, good, I'll do though. 68, 50. 69 and a half. Holy cow. That's a lot of wins above replacement. Yeah, we got to get Rick Russell in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there are people who uh, are not opposed to that. And he was he's kind of on that uh, Jim Cat level of really gotcha. good for a long time. Uh, never dominant, but I don't know. I'm a big Hall guy. I, I, I'm, I'm for it. I am for putting <laughs> anyone in the Hall of Fame who would uh, drive like baseball writers from another generation nuts. <laughs> So, like, when Harold Baines got in and there was a lot of, like, consternation, it's like, all right, I mean, like, you know, whatever. Like, you look at it where he ranks on, like, you know, this list. Like, uh, he probably, you know, probably doesn't merit it. But, hey, the guy had a great career. He's being rewarded. And he's driving old baseball writers crazy. That's funny to me. Uh, Yeah. Anyway. That helps his case. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. 
Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hey, speaking of the Hall of Fame, can we get this athletic style book change to always refer to Rob Manfred as future MLB Hall of Famer Rob Manfred? Because every other commissioner has gone in, and now with the pitch clock, he's ready. Was there like a commissioner who embezzled or something? That they all they're all in. I mean, Faye Vincent so. isn't is he? Oh well, okay. Everyone who didn't get fired by the owner, correct? Is uh, Paul Giamatti's dad in? Well, got to Google that. I, I I would say yes. They probably okay. did it right after he passed. How are you feeling if you're Faye Vincent then? I mean, you're feeling like you got fired because you tried to there's all there's books been written about this. I know, but like hashtag justice for Faye. <laughs> That's a, just, <laughs> I bet you tweeted that in 2012. Actually, I'm gonna look this up. Grant Brisby, Faye Vincent. Let's see what happens. All right, let's segue into uh, shift stuff because Andy, you have thoughts on the shift that you want to share, and I'd love to hear these thoughts. Yeah, Grant, you know, these thoughts might have Excite me so much that I might <laughs> knock over a glass of water directly onto my laptop, potentially ruining my life, let alone the show, which thousands of people are listening to <laughs> right now. You guys at home have no idea how much my mood has shifted. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're going, wow, around the 25 minute mark, Andy really got dark. Just understand <laughs> that. I am very upset at myself. Like, I have this big, stupid, useless body. Like, I have a great stat line, right? I am six foot three, 230 pounds, right? Like, that is, that rules. And all it means is I am just like fat. My back hurts. I can't fly on planes. I have terrible posture. Like, I bump into stuff all the time when I'm in these press boxes and I try and, like, fit in between stuff. You know, I my book bag hits someone in the head. Or, like, when I'm trying to make a point that I am fundamentally opposed to the shifts, I might somehow swat my water glass inward, not outward, where it would have just splashed harmlessly on the floor, but inward onto my MacBook Pro, hypothetically. Hypothetically, <laughs> I like I didn't want to laugh, but now I feel like you've given me permission to laugh a little bit because uh, it sounds comical from here. It will be funny in a year, maybe to you. Like, how long is your your buffer zone for when you can laugh at yourself about this? As Mark knows, I'm I can uh, I can make jokes out of things that aren't supposed to be funny. Uh, you know, very quickly, too quickly uh, if you ask me. But anyway, but uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's just, okay. So here's the thing with the shift. We kind of got into this a little bit when we were talking about, you know, things happening organically. I am, uh, I, as I said, I have a sort of principled opposition as our good friend, Joe Lemire put it towards the shift. I think you should be allowed to put your defenders wherever you want on the diamond to catch outs. If you want to do a five man infield, if you want to put everyone on the right side of the infield, you should, if you want to do a four man outfield, you should. You should be allowed to do whatever you want to get out. However, I don't think the rules are going to be too prohibitive to prevent, uh, you know, shifting. And I think they're going to be kind of interesting. So, for example, right, like 
if you want to do the big pull shift, right, where you have a, a first baseman and a second baseman and an infielder in the shallow outfield, you can still do that, except for now it's an outfielder doing it. So it further incentivizes that hitter if he can hit the ball the other way or whatever. If he can send the ball to left field, there's going to be no one there. I think that makes that, you know, fairly interesting. Uh, you can still, you know, shift guys differently up the middle to take away hits. You can still move people around. So I don't think the way, you know, it's called a shift band. It's really not a shift band. It's a shift restriction. Uh, I think it's going to change some things, but I don't think it's going to make a major difference in how the game looks moving forward. And I think it's going to create some relatively interesting alignments. Yeah. And, you know, I was actually talking to somebody with a shift heavy team and, and they were relieved because you can still more or less play a guy right behind second base, that ball up the middle that has been a hit for 125 years is still going to be an out with these shift restrictions. You're going to get some left-handed hitters that can squeeze a few more singles out of this, but really that's about it. So I think the way they did it was probably less restrictive. I think that's kind of smart actually, because then you can, if you see this play out for a bit, realize that it's not going to change all that much. All right. Get them wedges in there, right? Like that float, like let's change it up even more. That way, you know, you have this interim step. Maybe this is enough. Maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's enough to have the desired effect, but if it's not, at least you still got something to go to after giving this a chance. So I'm looking at it. Like I I kind of agree with Andy. I don't know if it's going to fundamentally change a whole lot, I kind of see this as maybe their interim step for something more drastic later on, because you're right. This isn't a shift ban. That's a, that's a great call on your part. It's a shift limit. Big difference. I will say that two things can be true. One is I don't necessarily want to ban the shift. I am with Andy. I put six infielders in if you want to have fun. But one of my least favorite things in baseball, the modern game of baseball, I hate it so much is when a batter lines a ball up the middle and the camera cuts to an infielder catching it. Aesthetically, (laughs) I hate the shit out of that. My brain is not wired to accept that and it never will. That line drive up the middle, like you said, for hundreds of years, that's been a hit. I like it being a hit. It's good swinging. It's good hitting. It's good baseball. And I don't necessarily want to ban it. I just want everyone to have like a gentleman's agreement to cut that crap out because I hate it. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, it's a perfect example of this. And by the way, I'm with both of you guys. Fundamentally, you should be able to do whatever the hell you want, play them wherever the hell you want. I mean, there's a reason why that's not going to happen, but anyway, so long as that ball up the middle is a hit, then in my mind, like we really haven't done all that much with the shift. Right. Because that's like one of the like, defining qualities of it for me is that this thing that was a safety, as they used to call them back in the day, it was a safety for a century, no longer is. Well, we still got a shift. OK, <laughs> like it's still here. And, and so no, this is yeah, maybe it's an interim step kind of thing, which I'm not opposed to either. I think my overarching thing about all the rules changes is that it's been a long time coming and I'm glad they're trying stuff. All right. Like, I think it's needed, you know, efficiency, as Andy put it well earlier, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to lead to better aesthetics. In fact, oftentimes it doesn't. And like, yeah, I think part of the emphasis for this sport is we should be talking about the aesthetics of it. 
efficiency is important. Like the teams are going to run themselves that way and that's fine, but we can't ignore aesthetics. We just can't. I think you lose something big when you start to do that. And that's why I like the fact they're at least attacking these. These aren't going to work perfect. It's going to piss a lot of people off. Like change is hard. I get all of that, but I think we're past the point of like hand rigging for this. Like this is stuff that just needs to happen. And to me, the faster you can get the rules in and start tweaking them, figuring them out, finding that right balance between efficiency and aesthetics, the better. I don't follow hockey very much at all, but it seems like every year there's, you know, likes are now florps. Like they have like, they, they're changing the rules all the time for hockey where, okay, this is not a, well, okay, there's, there's not enough scoring. So this is happening and they're major changes. I don't think baseball is ever going to get to that. I don't see a downside. So I'll, I'll shift to the bigger bases. Don't see a downside. Could keep people healthier, might increase the stolen base rate, might increase average a teensy tiny bit. I don't see a downside to that. Now, I there's a logical extension to that uh, where you can go absurd and say, well, what about like a 30 foot bases and just, you know, the whole infield's a base, but a little change making the bases bigger. There's no problem with that. Everything that it's going to try and do is better. Yeah, I think the bigger bases is funny. That's at least like amusing. I think Rich Hill showing up with a huge like beach ball of a base to put out of the third. Or like that's, I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, what the idea is it's supposed to incentivize, you know, players to steal. Like, you know, what would incentivize them is money. Like if you paid players, <laughs> like that's an incentive to steal bases if you started paying players to do that, you know. But that's not, again, like I think it's going to be an improvement. Like I feel like it's going to improve some things. It might entice some guys to steal you know, might get Terrence score up in August instead of, uh, you know, September, you know, like that sort of thing. But like, you know, it's the money, the money's still going to be in power. The money's still going to be in strikeouts. And, and, you know, if this makes them even more scarce, right. Then there's even going to be more money going towards it. So who knows? Let's end this up with rule changes of our own. So we have all been tasked with one rule change to make you are the commissioner now congratulations everyone hates you uh what you're going to the hall of fame but you're going to the hall of fame (laughs) what change are you making uh mark i'll start with you do you got a rule sure let's just go all in and like actually ban shifts like as andy put it like if it's if this is a limitation it's a boundary situation but like that ball up the middle that you so love to like see as a hit let's bring that back all right let's get extreme screw it right? Actually ban shifting. Let's have a left fielder, a center fielder, a right fielder, right? Let's have a third baseman, a shortstop, a second baseman, a first baseman, put them in places where they have to be. And yeah, if we're going to go all even, and I say this as someone who fundamentally opposes having to do that sort of thing, but because I think we're past the point of the game healing itself. Yeah. Let's get even more restrictive with the shift. Let me ask you a logistical question, because the way they have it now, it's pretty cut and dry where you have second base as the demarcation line. How do you enforce total shift ban? Like, it would just seem to be like, is it an eyeball test? Is there a mark on the field? Yeah, probably mark on the field, I would guess. You know, that would piss people off. I know it would, but like, hey, (laughs) you know, like look at a basketball court in the last 70 years. Doesn't look the same. There's marks all over that floor, too. I don't mind it. I just, I just know that some people just, oh, the hash mark and that would be their, the bane of their existence. Tough, man. There's a freaking clock in baseball starting next year. So like, I mean, with this pastoral, you know, history of the game crap, like it's over, man. There's a clock in the sport starting next year. 
producer Brian just had the idea of a mark that they make a sponsor. And like, I'm physically ill. Like you put uh, Barclays out there and that's the mark. And that's so what they would do. That is so what they do. Just draft Kings. You, oh, we've passed the draft Kings line. It's a free oh, ball. No. The odds on that were plus one ten. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. No, that's no good. Andy, you got a rule. So I can't like, I can't like contract two teams, right? It has to be like less drastic than that. Yeah, I'm listening. Well, that, that's, that's, that's kind of funny. You contract two teams. You go back to two 14-team divisions. The best two teams in each division make the playoffs. The quirk to this is that it's Yankees and Dodgers. Psh, gone. I mean, that's fu- I mean, well, that's silly. That's not who I'd contract. <laughs> who would you uh, contract? Get some people mad. Uh, the Rockies and the Marlins. All right, that's fine. Actually, one idea that uh, you know Joel Sherman has written about this in the New York Post that I that I kind of like is he he calls it Amish baseball. It's the idea that there's no technology allowed in the dugout in any way. No iPads, no TVs, nothing. Like you cannot look at anything in the dugout. It's unplugged the entire space, which like you know is kind of untenable right now. Given like if you actually look in a dugout during a game, you'll see how often guys are looking at iPads, whether they're watching previous at bats, watching at bats from other games, looking at the metrics on like what their you know data they're getting on the pitches. But I think that uh, makes it uh, anything to kind of dis anything to disconnect the sport from technology. I kind of like as an idea. I think that's sort of what we're getting at the, this whole podcast is that what makes the game more productive and better in terms of runs doesn't necessarily make better in terms of aesthetics. I could go with that. I like the Amish uh, baseball idea. That is, uh, I, I award you one podcast point. That is good. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything that interesting. I hate, hate, hate dropped third strikes batters reaching (laughs) on drop third strikes this is the hill that i will die on because it's you failed but because you failed worse than regular failure and you swung at a pitch that couldn't even be caught you get a base i hate that and people will say no well you have to finish the play it's a baseball play and you got it no it sucks it's like a subpoena like it's just it has nothing to do with the game. It's it's something totally out of character. It's rewarding failure. This is the hill I will die on. I'd never thought about that. You're right, though. It's ridiculous. Actually, it's ridiculous to swing at a pitch <laughs> that you can't even catch yeah, and it's then be rewarded stupid. for it is stupid. Yeah, it's like if you're an outfielder and you run to catch a fly ball and you drop it, but on the first bounce you kick it back to the infield. It's an out. Like, oh, I screwed up, but I screwed up the right way. I just, I don't like it aesthetically. So uh, make me commissioner. Uh, I'm already going to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you know this, but I would definitely go to the Hall of Fame if I were a commissioner. Man, you know what? This is also another thing in the department of just stupid ass things. An infielder touches a ball and doesn't make the play. That's an error. An outfielder can butcher the read. Be nowhere close <laughs> to a ball they should have in their back yes. pocket. And that's just yes. a knock. Like that is yes. stupid, man. That's stupid. I'm with I I am subscribing to that newsletter. Yeah, like, I like if, if that. If you're gonna do the scoring, like do it right. Like, I mean, we can we can say obliterate scoring altogether. No, I think anything that gives power to the official scorer is great. <laughs> <laughs> we want more judgment calls. But like, no, I mean an outfielder can like like literally just, as long as I don't touch it, then it's not an error. 
and like, it's just like it, come losing on. the lights. Yeah, and it's a triple, and it's a inside the park homer. That, that's what gets me. Is I like the pure Willie Wilson inside the park homer, where you just can't get the guy out. And now inside the park home runs are a guy dives for it, which I get, but it's also when a guy just straight up doesn't see it and then it hits or I don't know. Yeah. So I'm with you. I'm with you. So if we solve baseball today, I think my laptop might actually explode. There's like a fan going inside of it or some sort of noise. Are you on the wet laptop? Yes. Wow. Is it plugged in? No, I unplugged it. I dried it off, but yeah, I don't, I don't. All right. Well, we'll let you go. I think uh, it's a rain delay. Yeah, that's it. It's uh, called suspended on account of rain. So we'll let Andy go. This has been episode 24 of the roundtable. We will be back next week. Will Andy have a computer or will will you do it on your phone? Will you have an abacus that has like a camera on it? It's hard to describe how bad a mood I'm in right now. Like I've been having a really nice day, a really nice week, month. Like I am so angry right now yeah i should not technology should not have this amount of control over my mood it should not what could your cat do right now that would just tip you over the edge what what could he do thankfully he knows when i'm not doing well and he leaves me alone (laughs) he also seems to recognize if i'm very sad he'll come over and you know hang out that's nice Uh, he's somewhat perceptive but then and when if i'm in a good mood he's just like great this means i just get to mess up stuff Man, I like this. Like, I like Joel's idea. Amish Andy. Just eliminate technology from your life altogether so oh, we don't have these incidents. I would like to do that for a year. Just not be on a computer and try and follow baseball as best I can without any technology and stats and baseball reference and just see what I think, who's good. Like, see if I can understand. That's a thought experiment. All right, this has been episode 24 of The Roundtable. We'll be back next week. We'll see you then. I think you should be allowed to put your defenders wherever the heck you want to. Ah, jeez, I just spilled water all over my laptop. That's no good. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm in crisis mode here. Sorry. I'll talk to you guys.